Welcome to Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I am Tracy Bloom, your host, and this is Books, Kids, and Creations, a show that features inspirational people who set to inspire and uplift future generations with their work. Today, I have the honor and privilege of speaking with Creek Stewart, who is a survival instructor, author, and television host. Creek, thank you for being here today. Hey, it's my pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, so you have written countless books on surviving in the wild and um, how to basically get through any situation out in the wild on your own. And you recently published a new book called The Disaster Ready Home, which was really, really neat to read. Um, But before we get into the book, I want to talk about how you got into this field. Um, How did you become a survivalist and make this kind of like your jack of all trades with it? I mean, how did this come to be for you? Yeah, so I, I grew up in Boy Scouts in southern Indiana, and so I really fell in love with survival and disaster preparedness um, as, a, as a young kid, as a Boy Scout. I grew up on a farm, and I guess I'm one scouter who really took the motto of be prepared uh, to a whole nother level. So I, um, I went to college to be a pharmacist, of all things, and uh, decided after I shadowed a pharmacist that that is not what I wanted to do. <laughs> And I decided that, you know, I really liked Boy Scouts. So how can I be a full-time Boy Scout? And so I decided to, to start teaching the survival skills I knew at the time in college. And that's when I started my business. I wrote my first book on survival in college. If anybody listening um, bought that book, I owe you a refund. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, it's probably the worst survival book ever written in the history of mankind. Um, but that was the start of it all. And that's been over two decades ago. So it was a long time turning this into a full-time career. Uh, but writing has been a big, a big, big part of that journey. It's interesting that you talk about, um, you know, your first book and how it's not really a reflection of where you're at today. And I think as an author, um, you most authors can say, don't look at my early work. It's just <laughs> not who I am. It's but it's an evolution and it's really cool to see how as you grow into your trade and you learn more things you can evolve your writing style and your your knowledge base yeah that's right and you know it's certainly been an evolution for me as i've learned more skills over the years and as i've done so much of this stuff myself uh, survival is kind of interesting uh, and preparedness you can read all the books and watch all the videos and even go to courses, but it's kind of like playing an instrument. If you're just not out there with your own two hands um, doing these skills or playing this instrument, then you're never really going to understand how to do these things and certainly how to teach them. So um, I had a lot of dirt time uh, to get under my belt before I could really, really start teaching. Uh, And I learned a lot of those lessons the hard way. (laughs) I think that's the best way to learn too. And then, you know, if you're doing activities with kids and even people who might take shops from you or um, mm. reach out with interest in what you do, um, that's the best way to learn is, you know, hands-on and getting dirty and getting yeah. out there. But, yeah. you know, so so you are a host of a television show, SOS, How to Survive. Yeah. But you've also hosted other television shows. How Was there some kind of key moment that, 
shifted you from author and survivalist to television host? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, they're all related. Uh, they're all very much related um, and, and very much related to being an author and a writer. Uh, one of the strategies, I guess you could say, that I used to really grow my business um, and still do is blogging. And so a long time ago, when I first started, I couldn't figure out how to get sales and how to get customers and how to build my business. And eventually I would learn that um, blogging would be a really important part of my business. And I quickly uh, began writing on the topics I knew at the time it was disaster preparedness and building a bug out bag, a 72 hour disaster survival kit. And so I started writing for uh, my own blog and guest posting for other blogs and becoming an online writer uh, before I was ever a published writer. And, um, and that's, how, that's how I built my business. And that's how um, not only I got my first book uh, publishing contract, uh, but that's how the producers from uh, my first television show called Fat Guys in the Woods um, which is a, which was a really great show to film. Um, that that's how, that's how they found me. So it all started in the TV business through some, some real grinding on my own blog and writing for, for a long time, uh, without a lot of reward, to be honest with you. So, um, I think a lot of authors can relate to, you know, writing for themselves yeah. for a while. Uh, before you start seeing uh, some of those dividends uh, come come forth, but for me, um, for me, it was it was really I, I have a lot of it to owe to to writing uh, and blogging. Yeah, and in the course of your shows, whether it was Fat Guys in the Woods or the one that you're doing now, what's been one of the best moments or fulfilling moments that you've encountered from from those experiences? Yeah, so I. You know, it's it's certainly it's certainly not the exposure and the fame um, that was never it's never been my motivation um, in the television business anyway. Um, I had a lot of rewarding moments with the Fat Guy Show uh, because it was really about personal transformation, and I've always believed ever since my scouting days that the outdoors uh, can change people. I've always believed that you know so many people are searching uh, for for something. And that something is oftentimes connected to just the natural world and just the awe and inspiring, just the awe inspiring ability that nature has for, for us. And to, to watch, to watch these guys go through these personal transformations in the woods using survival skills was really validating for me um, as a survival instructor. And as someone who really is passionate about this subject. Um, but in, in the, in the following shows that I would film SOS, how to survive. And then could you survive? Um, I got to, you know, I got to travel to a lot of places that I never would have otherwise a been able to afford or B been able to take the time to do. Uh, so I got to travel to just some really incredible parts of North America, especially. Um, and so that was really, really fulfilling and rewarding for me too. Yeah. And and you talk about preparedness a lot, especially in your new book for um, upcoming situations. And I feel like this book is so timely because of all the, you know, with climate change and everything going on in the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, you see tornadoes in December and uh, tsunamis. 
coming and, you know, things like that, that we really, in all these wildfires. And so this book is so timely where it says, you know, it's not a matter of if, but when. Yeah. And I like that you have, this book is so cool because there's so much in here that you can really apply to any person, no matter where they live. Like, yeah. like food preparedness and you break it down into food and water and sanitation. And I just like how, how you put this together so clearly. What was, what was the writing process like for this book and uh, creating it? Yeah, you know, I was doing a radio interview the other day about the book and someone and the host asked me, they said, how, how long did it take you to write this book? And that was an interesting question. And I said, um, I said, you know, I think I've been writing this book in my head for about 20 years. <laughs> and I said, it took me about a year to put on paper, but you know, these are, these are things that I've practiced and, and learned for literally a couple of decades. Um, but you're right about the book. It's, it's very basic, uh, easy to implement strategies that are very affordable for the very average person. And that was really my goal in this was I learned a long time ago, especially with disaster preparedness, that the more complicated, uh, the more difficult or the more expensive it is to do something, the least likely people will be to do it. And so I tried to make uh, every, almost everything that I mentioned in the book very easy very affordable and very practical um, yeah. for someone who wouldn't consider themselves a doomsday prepper. You know, <laughs> I, I didn't really, I didn't really want to uh, want to scare, scare the average person away with, Oh my gosh, I need to build a bunker and plan for alien invasions and Yellowstone exploding, <laughs> you know? Never know. Um, yeah, I know. But you know, a lot of people, over the past couple of years have really begun to think about just basic at-home preparedness. Uh, primarily the pandemic really, really made people think twice when they were kind of stuck at home during the quarantines and they were like, you know, this is really weird. Yeah. Uh, maybe I should have some stuff at home. And so I got a lot of inquiries uh, during that time uh, because of uh, my notoriety in, in this particular industry. And that was really the catalyst for, for writing this book. Yeah. One of the things that I loved in here was how you talk about seeding and being able to grow your own, your own vegetables at home in a jar on your kitchen yeah. table. I mean, you, you share these insights that I feel like a lot of people just don't know. I didn't know that you could do that. And I've, I have a ton of garden space in the back and I thought, oh, I've never even thought about that. That's cool. Um, what are some things, because it seems like, you know, a lot about um, edible flowers and a lot about gardening in general. What are some, um, I guess, helpful things that you have for listeners about um, food preparedness and and uh, vegetables and gardening itself? Yeah, well, you know, the topic of gardening can feel a little a little out of the box for a lot of people. You know, I mean, most people hear garden and they're like, "Oh man, like that's way that's already beyond that's already beyond my thought process." You know, in this day and age. And so I normally approach that topic, um, you know, so there's, a, there's, there's several different areas as far as food preparedness goes. There's food storage, which is where I have most people start uh, storing, store them what they eat and eat what they store, you know, really simple philosophy. Uh, and then there's food production, right? And so that's kind of where gardening enters. And that is uh, beyond the scope for a lot of people in the beginning, um, but I always have people think about raised beds first. 
raised beds are very, very easy to implement. Um, just they require a very small space. Oftentimes, you know, just a two by four, uh, two foot by four foot raised bed uh, can be a great starting point or four foot by four foot raised bed. Uh, you can produce quite a few vegetables um, using a kind of a square foot gardening mentality in a very, very small bed, especially simple salad greens. And that's normally where I have people start who have never gardened before. Um, And then sprouting is, uh, like you mentioned, is a really unique concept. Uh, A lot of people have seen sprouts. Maybe at the Chinese buffet, you see the mung bean sprouts or whatever. But very few people realize that you can sprout um, loads of nutritious, fresh green sprouts on your kitchen counter with no sun no dirt, no green thumb, no experience. I mean, hardly any, hardly any, it requires almost any effort whatsoever. In fact, you'll spend more time brushing your teeth than you will growing fresh vegetables on your kitchen counter using sprouting. Uh, You just need sprouting seeds, a couple of ball jars and some sprouting lids, and you can have, and you can be growing fresh sprouts on your kitchen counter in just a matter of days. And so that's a whole section of my uh, of my new book that deals with a missing link in long-term food storage, which is fresh produce. You know, how do you deal with needing the need for fresh produce or the desire at least for fresh produce? And one of those easy solutions is by sprouting. Yeah. And one of the, the parts of your book that I really loved was um, you talk about outdoor cooking and you have simple ways to make your own little stovetop outside and you use basic items like bricks. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, well, anybody can do this. You could do one in your backyard. And you also talk about how to make your own um, water pump in the backyard. And I mean, it's just everything in here is so um, so handy and practical when you think about exactly where we're at today with, okay, I there's a pandemic. And how can I do more at home by myself and not have to rely on going out all the time or being in the store, things like that. Yeah. Well, those, you know, those particular points deal with two really important issues and, and the disaster scenario. The first is almost, you know, almost 90% of homes in North America, at least are grid tied, uh, not only heat, but cooking as well, whether it's the microwave or the range, you know, those are powered by electricity and some gas, but both are grid tied. And so, the ability to cook or boil water um, without electricity or access to natural gas or propane um, is a big deal. And so um, a rock, a back, a back patio or backyard rocket stove is a really easy solution for that. Um, I, I give I, they're the one the, if you wanted to buy one, the EcoZoom rocket stove is a really great option for about 120 bucks. But you can make one, like you said, out of bricks uh, for just a few dollars and about 15 minutes of time. Yeah. And it's a really fantastic solution um, for cooking for cooking off grid. Uh, but then water, right. water is a huge deal. You know, I mean, the average American uses over 80 gallons of water per day per That's person. Crazy. It's a staggering statistic. And most people don't realize how much water they use each and every day. And most people have zero water storage um, in their homes. And storing water is really simple, just with bottled water or gallon water. But having a renewable water source is even more important. And a rain barrel can solve that problem for so many people. Yeah, what's really cool about the water portion of this book is um, you talk about 
rain barrels and how to make, you know, how to make one. But you also have a whole section on water storage and you even have the, the measurements for if you have one of those big drums. Mm -hmm. um, we just bought one not too long ago, but we've been, to your point, moving it around to see where it suits best because yeah. you have some points in here about placement of the jug and where it should go. Um, but you have really detailed instructions on how to make that water last and make sure that it's, it remains clean and, and safe. So yeah. that's really cool that you have so much in here, but everything's just so well thought out. And, um, I really enjoyed that chapter and you have all these, these cool pictures in here about different ways yeah. to store things. Um, yeah. but like you said, like this is things that you've been doing your whole life that you just wanted to share. Yeah, I tried to take each kind of category. So I broke it down, food, water, uh, hygiene or sanitation, using the bathroom, uh, cooking and heating. Those are the real five um, tenets or pillars of, of that book. And I tried to take each of those topics in phases uh, for somebody who's, you know, just wants to scratch the surface. You know, what are some really easy ways I can move the needle in my preparedness efforts? And, you know, for some of those topics, you know, some people might want to dig a little bit deeper and, um, and I provided things, you know, for those people too, like, you know, the 55 gallon drum water storage, that's not for everyone. You know, a lot, a lot of people aren't going to buy a 55 gallon drum and fill it full of water and put it in their garage. But, um, for the person, <clears throat> excuse me, that's, that's really interested in kind of taking it to the next level. You know, I gave them, I gave them those solutions as well. Yeah. And the sanitation chapter, because most people don't really think about that until it's too late. I mean, you look yeah. at like the toilet paper issue with everybody trying to go out and buy toilet paper and things like that. Um, but you talk about this uh, sawdust toilet. <clears throat> in right. And I went, what? I mean, yeah. how, did, how did you even find out about that? I mean, I would guess it came from many times in the woods and camping. Yeah, yeah. So the the sawdust five gallon uh, bucket composting toilets, an old trick for a lot of survival courses that I used to do out in the bush. Um, but I'm certainly not the one that invented the composting toilet. It's been used for, I mean, uh, for as long as people have been using the bathroom, probably some version of it. Uh, so uh, really quickly, I'll walk, I'll walk your listeners through how to make one because it's a really simple and easy to implement um, uh, solution for not only containing, but dealing with human waste. If you were to be trapped at home and your toilets aren't working, you know, maybe you can't flush the toilets or the sewage pipes are busted with an earthquake or something weird. Yeah. So if you buy a five gallon plastic, five gallon bucket, you can order a plastic snap on uh, toilet seat lid that snaps onto five gallon buckets. And you can go to your local hard shop, um, uh, wood shop or hardware store and pick up some sawdust for free. Oftentimes you'll, they'll give that to you. And you can put a layer of sawdust in the bottom of that bucket and go number one and number two right on top and then cover those up with another layer of sawdust. And you continue to do that until the bucket's full and you can snap a lid right on top and then uh, slide that into the corner of a garage or even outside in the yard. And it's uh, safely deals with um, that, that human waste. But over the course of a few months, that'll turn to manure, composted manure that you can then uh, dispose of in the corner of your yard or in the woods or something like that. So um, it deals with a topic that hardly anyone thinks about until it's too late. 
Right. Uh, and the improper um, dealing and, dis and disposal of human waste can be a really, really nasty issue uh, in, in disaster scenarios. And it's been the culprit for the decline of entire civilizations in human history. So it's an important issue. Yeah. And something else, that, I mean, because to your point, like you don't really think about it until it happens. Like we live on kind of farmland. So we have septic system here. And there was one day where I went, uh oh, we need to get the septic. <laughs> yeah. We do, you know, so yeah. they, they could come out and take care of it. But it's like, what if they couldn't? What, you know, yeah. so with, with your book, you have so many things that would help readers in these situations. And um, one even talks about heating your house and different ways to heat your house. Um, we have a wood burning fireplace that does a great job, but. You have all these different methods for heating that really, I think, is great because it applies to so many people in so many situations. Yeah, you know, wood burning fireplaces, that's the, you know, that's the goal, right? I mean, yeah. for, for off-grid heat, heat uh, if you have a wood burning fireplace, you're very, very fortunate. Um, and you can check that one off your list. Yeah. Uh, but for most people, that's, you know, that's pie in the sky, right? You know, that involves a house remodel or buying a new house or adding a wood-burning fireplace. It's a big project. Um, and so I also offered some really easy to implement backup heating solutions like a kerosene space heater. Uh, my grandparents heated their home uh, with a kerosene space heater, with a couple of kerosene space heaters my entire life. And they're safe for indoor use. Um, they're safe as long as you follow the instructions. And uh, kerosene is a fuel that will store for years, I mean, decades uh, without any fuel additives. And so it's a, it's a fuel that'll store a long time. So you don't have to worry about the fuel going bad either. So it's a really easy $150 investment um, for the day when your heat might not work, your grid tied heat might not work. Yeah. And aside from your books, which um, do you prefer that people buy your books on your website or through like Amazon or does it? Yeah, um, not necessarily through my website at all. Um, okay. any, anywhere books are sold, um, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, you can you can find my books online, no problem. That's really cool that, I mean, you have so many books, but you also have um, on your website, you have survival tips that you people can subscribe and get your survival tips. Um, yeah. You have a box called a pocket box. Yeah, good, good, good. A, a pocket box, the box that can help you survive the apocalypse. So a yeah. pocket box. <laughs> I saw that it was cool. I was like, oh, I guess it's, so people get a box, they can sign up and get one of your boxes. Is it a monthly box or is it? It's a bi-monthly, it's every other month. So it is, um, it's a subscription survival box. So every other month I ship out a box full of survival tools and gear and knowledge and projects. And um, it's, I've been doing that since 2014. So a long time. Yeah. Um, we have, um, we have about a thousand, I capped the box off at a thousand. So we have a thousand subscribers every other month. Cool. Um, so it's a, it's a fun project too. Yeah. And then you also have, um, something on your website about edible <laughs> plants and people can sign up and get a copy of, um, you know, like a printout or, mm -hmm. um, a PDF of all these edible plants. And I just found that fascinating that you have all that knowledge that you can share with people. So I signed up. <laughs> oh, you did. Okay. Well, you're going to, 
you're going to eventually see, see my business strategy, just for all the entrepreneurial authors that might be listening. My business strategy is content. I'm a content-based online marketer. So I teach with content online and I do my best to draw in my perfect customer with my content and then upgrade those customers to one of my services, you know, whether it's um, wild edible plant club or a survival skill club or one of my books or one of my other products. Uh, but the entryway into the world of Creek Stewart for most people is often through something that I've written in the form of content. Um, and so being an author is really at the core of, of my business in general. That's awesome. And I'm sure there are a lot of authors that listen, so they're probably taking copious notes. Yeah. Um, and so for you, are there, I'm sure, future books on the horizon? Are you working on anything new at this time? Yeah, so I'm always working on books. Um, I publish, uh, so I have um, standard publishing contracts that I, that I deal with, uh, but I also self-publish quite a bit too. Okay. Um, and so... I, I publish um, a series of pocket field guides, which are small four by six uh, books, um, typically on one subject. And um, I'm normally putting out one of those every month or every other month. Uh, and I'm always, I'm always writing. I'm a content creator. It's the core of my business. So I'm always writing. Um, I write fiction and nonfiction. Um, everything is in the survival space or in the outdoor space, typically. Uh, but I'm always, I'm always creating uh, new content and new books. It's the lifeblood of my business. And do you have kids books? I do. I have a couple of children's books. Yeah. Okay. You know, when I had kids, uh, when I, when I had my first, I have two, I have two kids. I have a little boy river who is six and a little girl Lakeland who is three. Oh. And um, when I had them, I was like, you know, I'm going to write a couple of kids books. So I wrote a kids books about dandelions uh, called Dandy. And wow. then um, I wrote a little book called Close Aconda, uh, which is, uh, it was a book to encourage my, my son River to pick up his room. So there's a little boy who doesn't pick up his room and there's a Close Aconda that lives under his clothes and eventually eats him. <laughs> <laughs> That'll teach him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think that as a, as a writer, you always have, I mean, especially for me, like with my kids' books, I always have um, a journal nearby. I have one by my bedside. I mm -hmm. have, you know, I wake up and go, that's a great idea, you know, or something like that. Do you mm -hmm. always, do you always find yourself um, journaling or do you keep journals nearby for, for these great ideas that come in? I do. I keep uh, a little field notes. Um, in my, in my pocket at all times, um, with my little, you know, with my little dorky pen here. Yes. And, uh, I am always, um, jotting down things that, that give me inspiration. Um, whether it's for a new blog post or whether it's for a pocket field guide or a, a fiction book or anything, you know, I'm always journaling and, and writing down ideas because I learned a long time ago that, you know, if you don't write them down right away, you can really miss that inspiration, especially if it's a dream in the middle of the night, you know, because I've had some great ideas in a dream in the middle of the night. It's really important to jot those down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. And I, that's why I keep one by the bedside because I'll wake up and go, oh, great idea. And I don't mm -hmm. look at the phone. I don't look at anything else. Just write to the journal or else it's gone, you know? Yep, 
Yeah, yeah. You know, I tried the phone thing. I tried to make the notes on the phone, but there is just something about, for me at least, just the just the pen and paper. Um, I, I just couldn't get into the habit of making notes on on my phone for some reason. Um, but I really enjoy it with just a little field notes pad. And do you enjoy writing anywhere? Or since you're such a nature guy, do you like to write in nature? Is there like a spot that you prefer? No, um, I, I don't, I'm very distracted by nature, actually. And so if you want to really suck away my attention, put me outside. <laughs> because that's where I really, that's where my soul wants to be. You yeah. know, I want to be walking around, you know, in the woods and exploring and things like that. So um, if you, if you want me to really focus, then stick me inside because I'm not interested in anything going on in there. <laughs> that makes sense. And with, with your new book, are you doing um, any kind of book tours or um, is it virtual right now? Or are you doing television appearances for it? Yeah, I've done several television uh, appearances uh, for it. Um, and primarily though, uh, primarily it's virtual and uh, Zoom and radio, um, and, uh, but a lot of radio right now, a lot of radio. Uh, but even some of the TV stuff has been, um, has been remote, you know, like virtual type stuff, but, um, but uh, yeah, I've been, it's a, it's a topic, it's a very topical, timely, timely topic right now. Yeah. Um, it's, although disasters are always timely. I mean, it's just every, every week there's a new disaster going on somewhere, sometimes more than one. Yeah. That makes sense. Very timely. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I love this book and I highly recommend that people go out and read this. It's very handy to have around. Um, if anything, just have it around. <laughs> so um, available basically anywhere where you can buy a book and then right. your website, if people want to sign up for your pocket box or any of your survival skills or read more about you, is it creekstewart.com? That's right. Yep. It's creekstewart.com. And um you can, you can just hop on my email list there and I will give you anything and everything you ever wanted to know about survival Very cool. <laughs> or disaster preparedness. Yeah. Well, Creek, thank you so much for being here today. It's been a pleasure. And um, thank you for putting out this wonderful book. I really enjoyed it. Well, it's Tracy. It's been an honor to be with you and I really appreciate the opportunity and I wish you all the best too. Thank you very much. Take okay, care. Thank you. Uh -huh. Bye.